Welcome to Nomad Gaming Network. This is Grinder. Today we're going to be talking about Star Wars Episode 7. Um, with me today I have True Fox and Direpunk. I'll be the Red 2 of this group today. <laughs> and uh, this is Direpunk. <laughs> and uh, I will uh, let you guys know right now if you have not seen the movie, uh, I will go ahead and. Um, yeah, go ahead and turn off this uh, podcast or uh, uh, video um, because there are spoilers ahead. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, what the hell are you doing, man? Go see it. It's good. It's good. Really, it is. Anyway, so first item up, we have um, love it, hate it. Uh, what are your what were your guys' reactions uh, to the movie? Fox. Uh, I loved it. I mean, it didn't bother me that there was a few rehashes from A New Hope, uh, but ultimately it gave me three great new characters that tangoed with uh, three old characters, one of them being in the final scene. Uh, I don't know, I have nothing bad to say about it, uh, except for one scene took me out of it, was the... Uh, the Han Solo scene on the freighter with the CGI. From that CGI going to Ma uh, Maz Kanata, uh, Maz Kanata looked more of a real character than the um, the creatures he was uh, he had on the freighter ship. And that's about the only bad thing I have to say about that movie. I will uh, I will nod in agreement to the uh, to the random creatures that were on uh, on the freighter. The, those were. Very odd to me, um, but uh, Dyer, uh, what did, how did you feel the uh, the movie went? Um, I liked it. I mean, uh, it, I feel like Disney did a great job uh, putting this out, and it's uh, even if you're not familiar with the entire series, I feel like you could go and sit down and enjoy the movie as an individual movie. Uh, but if you follow the series, uh, you can actually enjoy it as a continuation of it, also. Okay, um, and Dyer, how did you uh, how did you guys feel um, feel about about J.J. Uh, Abrams not uh, not directing the next uh, the next one? Um, you know, I think the person who is directing the next one was on set with J.J. Uh, so being the mentor. Uh, under JJ for the next one, I don't think I have a problem with it because JJ set the guidelines and was like, you know, I'm not going to be here, but you know, take the ball and roll with it. But here's the guidelines of of you know what I'm saying. Completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Dyer, any anything else to add to that? Oh uh, no, I mean I feel the same way. Like I mean, uh, he did a great job with this one, but I feel like. Uh, there's um, still, I feel like they've went back to the fans of the movie now, so they feel like they're going to disappoint the fans if they don't put out a good movie. So uh, they're going to strive towards that more than anything. So I think they'll continue in the same way that J.J. Abrams did. Good points. Uh, I agree with you guys totally. Um, so best new character. Uh, personally, I... Uh, my favorite character out of the whole movie was uh, Poe Dameron, um, by far. But that's just because I love flying, and uh, I've always felt more of a draw towards pilots than anything else. Um, Dyer, who is your uh, favorite character out of the new cast? Um, I probably have to also go with Poe. Like, I mean, uh, I feel like uh, he was a very likable character. Um, I mean, he's kind of got like that cocky fighter pilot. Uh, attitude about him, but he's—you could tell he's still a good guy and everything. So, you know, I'm not gonna be on that bandwagon. I do like Poe as a character, but my best new character from the start had to be Ray, straight from the the um, release of the teaser trailer. Who are you? I'm nobody. I was intrigued. Tell me more. And starting off on her story from Jakku uh, onwards, it was just a great story uh, from her eyes. 
uh, it really set her up to be um, to be the hero of this new uh, trilogy. Uh, and it gives people uh, more to expect. Uh, we still haven't had any kind of resolution to that, uh, to who she really is, have we? I have my theories, <laughs> but no, not yet. Uh... I think that's uh, probably the reason I don't uh, didn't pick her as my favorite new character is because uh, uh, she's this uh, this episode she wasn't my favorite character but in the future i could see the potential for her to be my favorite character because there's so much backstory to her i, I don't see for me for her it was uh, god just picture living her life scrapping junk getting shit portions you know excuse my language on that and then when bb8 came in uh, into the picture and the uh the junk dealer was like, I'll give you 60 portions. You know, do you see her line of thought is, wow, that's a lot of food, but I'm conflicted right now. I, I just, I don't know. Something about her and, and where she lived and how she lived her life really kind of struck a chord with me. It's all about making the characters personable, and she's the one that spoke to you. Everybody's different, but uh, I, I do I do respect the the reasonings behind your choice. It's definitely definitely good. Yeah. Yeah. So rolling right along, um, lately a lot of people have been having issues with the fact that Ray was able to beat Kylo Ren in uh, in a lightsaber duel. Um, Dyer, I want to get your thoughts on this since you don't have the kind of backstory or um, kind of back knowledge of the expanded universe that me and uh, Fox do. Um, well, I mean, my take of it is we don't know her backstory. We don't know how strong the Force is with her and so on. Uh, I mean, uh, for all we know, she could wind up being the most powerful Jedi we've ever seen. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know yet. And uh, I mean, we don't know how a, a powerful Kylo Ren's character is like so. A, I, it, it's two unknowns that makes a uh, that you could actually say, well, why she won or why she didn't win. I mean, there's too many unknowns to actually predict that. Well, <clears throat> again, um, I don't know why people have issues with it. Yeah, the interrogation scene with uh, Kylo and Rey when he tapped into her mind you I don't know I guess it's because I'm familiar with a bunch of uh, expanded universe but at that point in moment when she start doing the force persuasion I immediately thought you know she was trained she was trained and she had to have uh, have had a mind wipe or a mind block uh, on her kinda like um God, I don't want to spoil it, uh, but kind of like how Revan was, uh, without giving any spoilers to, to Dyer. Oh, yeah, from the, uh, from the Old Republic, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, well, on that note, I will actually bring in some of the iJedi reference material that I have here. Uh, iJedi is a book, uh, is written by Michael A. Stackpole, and it follows the... Uh, the story of Corn Horn, who's a fighter pilot for the New Republic. Now, this is not canon anymore, but the reason I bring this book up is because it gives the most detailed description I have found of what the Force looks like from a person's perspective and multiple perspectives of what the Force is, like how people are perceiving the Force, because before this book and after this book, even when they're talking about Jedi, it's never really clearly defined or explained about what people see. So in iJedi, Corrin Horn is a pilot who loses his wife and goes to Luke's Academy to become a Jedi in training. Now prior to this, Corrin Horn, still being Force-sensitive, actually used Force Persuade prior to becoming trained or even knowing he was Force-sensitive. It is completely possible in the Star Wars universe, now a lot of people are going to come at me because it's not canon anymore, 
But the possibility ha is there, even though the story itself isn't canon, the fact that it was talked about previously and that someone else had done a force mind trick without training, the whole force mind trick thing is totally conceivable without having to be trained. Well, that also goes uh, with the, you know, they can say it's non-canon, but you can tell they're pulling stuff out of uh, the old expanded universe. I mean, Ben Solo, uh, you know, Luke's son in the expanded universe was Ben Skywalker. So you could tell that they're picking and choosing what they want out of that expanded universe. Yes, and I think that J.J. got, uh, got away with a lot of stuff um, out of the Expanded Universe by tweaking it a little bit. Like, um, Ben Solo is a combination of two characters out of there, Ben Skywalker and Jason Solo from the Expanded Universe. Uh, now, going back to iJedi, um, one of the things that is never actually really talked about in any of the movies or any of the other books besides this is when you're fighting an opponent... Now, granted, it's according to this book, but it's the only one I've got that even gives me anything like this. The way it's described when when Korn is facing down an opponent, he actually sees all of the moves that this person's going to, that is going through their mind at the time that they're deciding. So he can see it's like little, almost like holograms over this person, and only when the person starts to match one of those holograms in front of him is when he knows where that person's going to strike. And he can, you know, deflect or parry or do whatever to anticipate that. Now, if you think of it from the point of you have two force-sensitive people who are doing this, you then get what we see as the lightsaber battles to where um, uh, going back to where, like, you know, people won't actually strike at obvious openings because they're seeing other counter moves there. And that's one thing that's not exactly explained and that would be very, very hard to do in film but is easier to do in a book setting. Well, I think they um, explain it pretty well in the movies of the, the Jedi fight uh, in the defensive manner, pretty much. Uh, yes. Um, now, also, with the, the Force giving you these abilities to see everything... Um, it's not described as everything's light um, becoming, you know, you're not actually seeing everything, it's just that everything is becoming visible through the Force, and the Force is giving you this information that is out there. So, I believe that what Rey did was she took the information that the Force gave her and used it to defeat Kylo Ren. It showed her where his defenses would be and where the weaknesses were, and she hammered home on them. You don't need to be completely trained to find, to do, like, basically what something guides you or instructs you to do. Yeah, and there, there is also a scene uh, talking about the Force uh, when they're parrying and they're holding the parry Kylo says, you're weak in the Force, I can train you. Watch Ray's face when he mentions, mentions the Force. It's kind of like a, oh yeah, I have that. I'm tapping into it type thing. Yeah, and uh, during that fight it actually um, looked like she wasn't really tapping into the Force at all to assist her or gain any information from it. Um, uh, some of the other things that are described in the I Jedi book, um, several people describe the Force as five, um, ten kilos of life in a five, uh, five kilo box. So um, you guys can take that in your own way, but to me that means that it's so. It's 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 like being in tune with everything around you. You just are alive with everything that's around you. That would, I mean, uh, I kind of take it as that's how Yoda uh, and Obi-Wan, uh, when they passed, how there was nothing, is they, they were one with the Force. Uh, unlike, say, Vader, I know some people questioned why didn't Vader 
disappear before he became a uh, Force Ghost. Because he wasn't uh, in tune with the Force as much as uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda without going off of uh, Episode 7. Sidetracking off that. That's Agreed. Yeah, that's how I uh, Dyer, any thoughts? Um, one thing I was going to say is I've always, uh, from, like, I don't have the extensive knowledge that you guys do with all the movies, um, although I have watched all of them. Uh, they, I've always felt like um, the Force would have such a pull on somebody that it's going to affect that they would not need training to actually feel it. Or, like, uh, they wouldn't have to be trained in it to... to know there was something special about them or that the force was helping them. They might not know what it is and not know how to use it 100%, but uh, they could definitely use bits and pieces of it uh, just because they are special. Agreed. And I think that that's a perfect thing. I think that's exactly what we were just saying, um, just much more simplified. Um, simple is better in my opinion, so I, I think you're 100% right, Dyer. <clears throat> I will also add in the uh, lightsaber duel, Chewbacca hit him in the um, pretty much in the side with a bowcaster, right? That bowcaster earlier in the film took out three stormtroopers and flung them at least what five feet. It was more like five meters, but yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, Bear in mind, that's what Kylo Ren got hit in the side with. So, he is also mortally wounded at that point in time uh, during that saber fight. Yeah, Han Solo made it a point to note that that weapon was very badass multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Can I see I that? like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, but actually going into that, um, a lot of people were upset that um, uh, Kylo didn't, uh, didn't stop the bolt. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, one of two things there. Either he was still, uh, getting over the fact that he just skewered his father and tossed him down a dark pit of death. Which he survived, um, by the way. <laughs> no. Come on, he, he, Indiana Jones did. He, he fell, he found a refrigerator and climbed in it and survived the blast. A <laughs> uh, little off topic, but I hated, I absolutely hated the fourth Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, I just had to add that joke in, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, that's that's fine. But uh, go, going back to it, um, so, you know, to be able to manipulate the force to that degree to oh, suspend the blaster bolt in midair like he did with um, Poe Dameron in the beginning... Uh, actually takes a lot of concentration, a lot of focus. And at the time, his focus was anything but in one spot. So going on that, um, he may have been... The reason he's probably survived the bolt hit itself was, if anybody remembers, Darth Vader was very good at absorbing energy, as he did with Han Solo's blaster pistol in The Empire Strikes Back. So he may have absorbed some of the energy from the bolt, but enough got through that it still wounded him, but it didn't flat out blow him away. Yeah, I agree. He was caught in the moment of, you know, shish kebab and his, his father, so his full concentration wasn't on that uh, bowcaster bolt. Yeah, and uh, just flowing through the conversation, Han's death, what do we think of that? Um, Dyer, your opinions? Um, I I was personally okay with it. Uh, I mean, in real life, Harrison Ford's not going to live forever, so I'd rather uh, his character be killed off in which I, what I thought was a fitting manner um, uh, compared to um, him passing away in real life and not being able to uh, be in the next movie and having it as a loose end that need, it needed to be tied up but couldn't. So I was personally okay with it. Okay. Um, 
I will agree with that completely. Uh, I actually thought it was a great way for his character to go out. Um, in a couple of interviews, uh, Harrison Ford noted that um, there wasn't much for his character to develop. His character was basically fully developed, and it was basically the same person as... Like, he hadn't really gone anywhere from um, episode... Six into episode seven. Now there was uh, Harrison Ford did want George Lucas to kill him off in the end of uh, Return of the Jedi uh, because he felt as if it that was where the character should have ended. Um, I believe in a couple of interviews he said that he was glad he didn't because he thought that this was a much more fitting end for the character. And I happen to completely agree with him. There's nothing. There's nothing more fitting than to have Han Solo try to bring his son back. And you know, we we all know what happened. Yeah, you know, what was my two things I talked about before the movie released of why uh, Han, uh, Han Solo came back, or Harrison Ford came back? He was either A, a really good script, or B, he's going to die. And uh, unfortunately, it was the latter. Uh, for me, it was a fitting death. I mean, to go out uh, by your son's hand... Uh, is great, and I, I mean, I want to give my opinions more into it, but I think it would be uh, better if I talk about it when we get into why uh, Kyle is more ruthless than Vader. Uh, Which we will get into here in just a moment. Um, I did, I did like the um, the little the the hand on his son's cheek just as he was fading away. I think that was a, you know, even though you're killing me, I'm, you're, uh, you're still my son and I love you kind of thing. I thought that was perfect. You know, without words, it was great. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just the fact that at, the, before the, before that all happened, was, Leia was like, just bring, bring our son home. That, that's, our, that's your main priority, priority bring, bring our son home. Uh, even though that didn't come to fruition, I mean, you know, it, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, completely agree. So, um, in that case, we'll roll right in. Um, so, why is Kylo, uh, Kylo more ruthless than Vader? Well, I'll tell you. What was the number one downfall of the Galactic Empire? Allowing the, uh, um, not the resistance, but the, the rebels to basically mass. They were so focused on the Jedi that they didn't, uh, they didn't squash the insurgency that was rising up. Okay, what was number two? I didn't think about that. <laughs> I don't know number two. It's because Vader did not have the balls to off his son because he didn't want to join the dark side. Oh, okay, yep, that too. So Kylo Ren is more ruthless than Vader in a sense. He killed his blood. He killed his father. That's not an easy thing to do. Exactly. What, what, what's Vader known for? Killing 30 children we don't know about? In episode force, two, force choking, well, force choking admirals through hollow net hollow comms. Yeah, they're uh, no nobody wanted to be a commander of a ship with him around. They're expendables. You only have one father, one son. Sometimes, <laughs> and what arguably the most uh, famous character there has ever been in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Not only did you kill your father, you just killed a bloody icon. Exactly. I will say this. The amount of people who gasped in the theater when I first saw that, I think, like, I, I was on the verge of going off, uh, or off, you know, words and stuff in the theater. I was able to hold that back so I didn't upset the kids. But, yeah. Yeah, there, there was a lot. There was a huge reaction from the fan base in the theater when that happened. I, I, I want to think that there was one Han Solo fan that could not take it. It was like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but uh, I, 
I still think it was, it was pretty fitting. And yes, I, uh, I do believe that uh, that makes uh, Kylo more ruthless than Vader. I mean, we don't know. I, 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 God, I hope not. I hope he doesn't pull a Vader. Because there's no coming back from killing the beloved character. You know? You killed Han. People aren't going to accept you do a Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi and save Rey, Finn, or Poe. That shit's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely know what you're saying. And I, I have to say, I think that that part of the scene where he, he um, just before he skewered Han, if you notice how the sun had started going out, I think that was really a symbol. I think that that was really a symbol of the light leaving that character. And because I know that J.J. Abrams had stated he didn't want an already made bad guy. He wanted the evolution of the bad guy and the bad guy coming about trying to, you know, trying to become the bad guy. And I think that that scene with the light and how it all of a sudden, you know, is dimming and dimming and dimming and then it, it's gone. And right as it's gone, he skewers Han. So I think... I think that was uh, that was quite well done. Oh, I will also say because I forgot to mention this and about Han's death, it would have been more impactful if uh, either they had a one-on-one uh, -on -one scene uh, at Maz's uh, castle on the attack, or if that was the first time he took off his helmet. But I remember telling you about the helmet. And you said it made the interrogation for Ray more impactful. Yes, yes. Um, I do believe that um, the the fact that he took his helmet off with Ray uh, during the interrogation, I think that that made it a lot more impactful for the audience. The audience was able to connect with both Ray and Kylo at the same time. They were able to see the the changes in Kylo's features, the subtle shifts in like his in the way his eyes looked, his eyebrows, just the facial expressions that you would not have been able to get with a mask. It would have just been a mask sitting there and maybe the head bobbing up and down a little bit um, as he struggled to try to get into Ray's mind. But the fact that you were able to see his struggle on his face in such detail, it was, uh, I think it brought a lot more to the character and helped push that uh, character development towards being the bad guy that J.J. was looking for. Yeah, I mean... To me, he's the ultimate bad guy. Uh, he is a loose cannon with his emotions, which makes him more also ruthless than Vader. Just the fact that they did not get the droid and he hacked up uh, a bunch of computers in anger shows uh, a very volatile character as well. Indeed it does. Yeah, I feel like uh, they even. Um, I feel like that's a common occurrence with him, also because uh, as we saw the stormtroopers in the hallway, they uh, kind of just backed off. Like uh, it happens on a regular basis, and to avoid him when he's like that. Yeah, and that is a true practice of a Sith. Uh, for people who want to uh, call him emo for being tapped into his emotions. Uh, you are way further from the truth than anything. A true Sith will tap into all of his emotions for the Force power. So, just stop it. He's not emo. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to pull out a little bit of my nerd card here. Um, the original Sith code went, um, peace is a lie. Um, there is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The Force shall set me free. I believe that's how it went. I might miss a. I might have missed one thing, but no, that's. I exactly, believe that's how it went. That's okay. exactly it. Yeah, there's my, there's my nerd card. I know the Sith code. It's pretty bad. I know the Sith code more than I do the Jedi, but you know why. Uh, why have all that power if you're not going to use it? Kind of like, if I have a Ferrari, why, why, you know, not open it up on highways, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, 
Kylo was really expressing like really the first part of the the Sith code. Peace is a lie. He had no peace the entire time. He was always using utilizing his emotions and making himself stronger by utilizing the emotions. Um, from the point where he was getting upset about the guy, um, the stormtroopers and the um, the first order guys not getting a droid, uh, all the way up until where he was hitting himself in his wounded side to make that pain come, make the anger and the rage and the pain just forefront in his mind to draw on that power. Yeah. I think it's... J.J. did very well in... uh, Well, both him and Lawrence Kasdan did very well writing that character and writing a true Sith of a character. Because we have not seen that in Palpatine... Maul, Dooku, um, and uh, Vader. Is there any other ones I missed throughout the trilogy? I don't think I did. No, I don't. I think you. I think you got them all. Um, and you're right. We haven't actually seen a true Sith. While yes, they may have been um, generally evil people, they never actually, you know, and and little bits and pieces of the Sith would be shown in them. They never had the the true Sith nature that really, really made the Sith powerful. And I think that um, the way that they went with the character is really bringing that true Sith, true power potential um, to fruition and showing it on the big screen. And I believe it it was really, really amazing. Um, Dyer, you've been kind of quiet. You got any uh, input on this one? Um, I mean, I agree with what you guys have been saying. Uh, it, this... Uh I mean, I don't know the whole Sith code and stuff like that, um, but it, uh, I mean, uh, Kylo's, uh, you could see the pain in his, uh, well, he expresses, uh, he says how uh, much he's hurt and um, uh, and everything before he kills Han, and I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I think the character was great in uh, uh, showing the raw emotion with everything and all. Um, but you could really see how um, angry he is and torn up inside and uh, just uh, uh, he does and like you were saying, hitting on his uh, side and everything, really feeding off that emotion, using it to power himself. Which we have not seen. Yeah, and uh, I think it was uh, it was a great it was a great move. Um, so moving on from that, uh, speaking of character deaths, uh, will Luke and Leia make it through episode eight and nine? What do you guys think, Fox? You know, I'd like to think Luke will make it, but he may get skewered by uh, Snoke, whoever he may be uh, in his character development, and Leia. I it's hard to tell with Leia. She may wind up being assassinated by um, uh, an, uh, First Order spy. I want to say Galactic Empire. Uh, the First Order um, spy or something. Or in battle. Uh, I'd like to say no. They're not going to make it. I'd say Luke will die before Leia though. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Dyer, anything uh, from you on that? Um, I agree that I think Luke will die before Leia, but I think they might both make it uh, through it. Um, I mean, they really... Leia was in this movie quite a bit, but Luke was not. I mean, <laughs> he did his, what, 30-second cameo? And, uh, I mean, that's it. So there's a lot of... Um, I mean, he's got a... He plays a big role in the next movie and everything. So, I mean, I don't see how... You could kill him off before he at least uh, teaches a Jedi or, uh, or two before they actually end his character. As much as I would like for both of them to make it, I think it would help push character development for Luke to die. I think Leia actually should make it all the way through, be um, especially since the political body of the New Republic was just completely destroyed in the last movie. I think that Leia may become the center focus of the new government, kind of the way she was in um, in the original trilogy. Speaking of that, do you do you want to? Uh quickly because a lot of people didn't know 
what was happening with the Star Killer and blowing up the base. Do you want to quickly uh, let people know that didn't know what was going on, uh, what that was, since you just uh, said that? Sure, you go ahead. Well, uh, I can't think of the system off off the top of my head. I think it's a Hospin system. Uh, I believe you might be correct there. That is the uh, system where the uh, Republic set up shop for, wasn't it government, uh, like a government facility type deal? Yes, um, I believe the I believe the senators like rotated systems or something like that. Yeah, so they uh, they basically in one swipe killed a bunch of Republic senators. Um, I mean to set it up. If you haven't read any of the books before, uh, after the Battle of Jakku, uh, I believe they came to an agreement. Uh, a peace agreement or whatever, which spawned uh, basically the First Order, which is uh, mirror mirroring what uh, people thought Nazi Germany did was fled to Argentina, uh, and basically the resistance is pretty much like a private military company of the the Republic. Uh, so that's all. Uh, I mean, they just blew up the Hospin uh, system to take out uh, Republic senators. But that's a little bit of a backstory for people who, who didn't know uh, what was going on on that scene uh, and who the First Order was and all that. Because I know some people were confused of why isn't the Galactic Empire and all that. Yeah, and that actually puts a little bit more into perspective of uh, the speech that the Admiral gave um prior to uh, firing off the weapon, why he was saying that um, the resistance was uh, protected by the Republic and how they were being basically hypocrites. Um, the Republic was always turning, had been turning a blind eye to the uh, resistance's activities, um, but they, at the same, on the same token, they pretty much turned a blind eye to the First Order's activities as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, moving on from there, who is Snoke? Um, the leader of the First Order. Who uh, who do you guys think he is? Uh, Dyer? Um, I mean, I really don't have uh, an opinion on that. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously he's someplace else. Where, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't believe they even said where he was. Um, although they did say bring him, or bring somebody to him, so uh, they do know where he's at. Um, but um, I'm not sure, like, what character he is, uh, or, uh, I mean, how in-depth they're actually going to get, uh, into his character. Um, to answer your question, uh, you were talking about when he was talking to Husk, uh, when, when they said, when Snoke said bring so-and-so to, to, to him? Yes. Yeah, he was talking about Kylo to complete his Sith training. Uh. Oh, yes, he was. That's right. Yeah. Um, but my, my theory, and, uh, pretty much Andy Serkis said it's not, but it could be a red herring until I am told it's not, I think it's Darth Plagueis. To me, it's the log more logical sense. Uh, he's pretty much been mentioned in the prequels as Palpatine's um, uh, teacher and the whole I've seen the rise and fall of the Galactic Empire speech you know who who's been, who else has been mentioned that's been around uh, nobody you know what I mean so I believe uh, until otherwise told it's it's got to be Darth Plagueis as my theory Uh, I actually don't have any theories on this one. Um, this is one of the ones I haven't actually thought too much about. Uh, both good theories. Um, I'm just going to sit back and wait until uh, the mystery is revealed. Well, let me ask you uh, two questions. Uh, one, would you guys kind of be disappointed at the, at the creative decision of him just being known as Snoke? Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, neither would I. 
Uh, and then my second question is, um, how relieved were you when you found out the 25-foot-tall character was actually just a hologrammed, hologram uh, blown up, pretty much? I was very relieved. That, that actually, I was like looking at that, I'm like, I really hope that's a hologram, because that dude is freaking enormous. That would be really bad. It, yes, I had the same opinion. I was like, wow, this is a really big character, and then it zoomed out, and I saw that it was a hologram. I was like, okay, well, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, it would have really taken me out of the next movies of Luke if he battles Snoke, battling a 25-foot-tall character. <laughs> it would be a little bit ridiculous, though. Uh, it'd be like Yoda, uh, the Yoda-Palpatine fight. I couldn't stand seeing CGI character jumping around and all that. Um, Agreed. I, I did like that they went back to a lot of practical effects. Even Maz, I mean, she was a motion capture. It felt like an actual person, you know? It didn't yeah. look... Well, well, actually, motion captures come a long way, uh, a long, long way. And um, the great thing about motion capture is that um, if the, if done right, you can actually capture the person who's portraying that character, all of their little micro-expressions on their face, and the computer will actually generate those micro-expressions so the character actually becomes and feels more real because you can, it's not just this, like, static thing. Well, don't forget, they had pretty much an unlimited budget to do the movie. So they were using state-of-the-art everything for it. So even some of the special effects probably looked more like practical effects just because they are that good. Agreed. And I, I don't blame them, you know. Hey, you're gonna, you, you have everybody ready to tear the movie down because you're changing canon. Uh, I'll, I'll fully admit, I went into the theater the first time ready to just rake this movie over the coals, and I walked out going like, when am I going to come back and watch this movie again? It was so epic. I mean, I sat there for the first maybe hour. was like, I had the what-if-it-sucks mentality, like the prequels. And then after things start kicking off, uh, I was like, wow, this is... It doesn't suck. <laughs> so, uh, what do we think will be in episode eight? Um, actually, Dyer, why don't you go ahead? Well, um, obviously, Luke. <laughs> um, it, that was very clear. Uh, I mean, it, uh, Ray's gonna have to be uh, trained. To some extent, um, and uh, uh, I don't know what kind of uh, uh, other um, dark side uh, villains we might see or uh, get developed in it. Um, I think it's probably going to be a slower episode, possibly, uh, with not as much action um, and more backstory, uh, just because of what it more character development needs to take place. Agreed. Um, I think that episode 8 is going to carry a lot of... It's going to be training uh, training Ray, uh, Luke training Ray, Snoke training Ray, uh, Kylo, Jesus. And um, one thing that I do think is missing is the, uh, the fact that uh, Snoke mentioned that he, uh, he wasn't the only Knight of Ren. So I think we might delve, get delved a little bit more into what the Knights of Ren are and uh, possibly see uh, a, uh, a group of Sith-like force-wielding enemies, which is going to create a lot of interesting stuff, especially if we are limited to uh, Luke and Rey on one side. But uh, actually, speaking of that, that would actually be fitting for Luke to actually go out battling the Knights of Ren. You know, taking most of them down and leaving a uh, the, the elite few left for Rey to battle in the uh, uh, ninth, uh, episode 9. Yeah. That actually, that thought just popped in my head as I was talking, so that was completely off the cuff. 
Yeah, I'd like to see um, a train. I'd I'd say training montage, uh, but like training sequence, kind of like Empire between Luke and Yoda. Have that kind of like Ray and uh, Luke. Um, I'd also like to get a little bit more on the Knights of Ren. I, I believe there's a a book that kind of gives a little bit of a history. Of the Knights of Ren, I'm looking it up right now. Um, but it doesn't. They say uh, the appearance of the Knights of Ren are in a uh, Force Awakens novel, which comes out. It's actually out. Uh, published January fifth, and then there's the Force Awakens Junior novel. Um, also, uh, an eight. They got uh, the guy who played the Collector from Guardians, uh, Bencio Del Toro. Uh, my speculation for that is he's going to play a character like Admiral Thrawn. Because uh, at the end of... Um, I can't think of the book name. Uh, but they at the end they mentioned a character that they walked in and heard classical music, which believes me believes I believe is a, a nod to a character like Admiral Thrawn, with him being sophisticated in the expanded universe. Uh, I can definitely see that. Um, if uh, if they do lean that way, that's gonna that's gonna be. Um, uh, a lot of stuff for the resistance to contend with, especially since they just lost all of their stuff, which would be fitting since the um, original trilogy uh, in Empire. It was a very, very dark movie. There was a lot of there was a lot of loss. Um, stuff wasn't going their way. Uh, so if they are trying to touchstone back and keep the general theme of the original trilogy, um, just all this overwhelming support for the First Order and not a lot of support going for the resistance. Um, I think that would definitely make uh, make Episode Eight a lot darker of a movie. Um, one thing I did forget to mention uh, that I think we will see in Episode Eight is who is Finn? Um, what is his backstory, and where did he come from? Who are his parents? Uh, I mean, they touched on that, uh, stating that. Um, it, his backstory just a hair and gave us kind of a little nugget of a, a little morsel of his backstory, but then they left it at that. So I think we'll see more character development on him in this upcoming episode. Yeah, I'd like to have a, a name for Finn. So I'd like at least dwell into his childhood or something to give him a better name than Finn. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much what, what Poe gave him at the beginning uh, since his number was, what, FN2187? And Poe's like, I'll just call you Finn. Yeah. I'm not using that. FN. Finn. I'm going to call you Finn. Yeah, so it'd be nice to actually have a um, a character name for him besides that. Um. Agreed. Uh, so that's about all we've got for today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up with some ending comments. Dyer, oh. uh, anything to add? Hey, we didn't mention Ray in theories of who she is. Oh, you are correct. Yeah. So, go ahead and take us on that road. Um, I have three theories. Uh, she can either be a Ken uh, Kenobi, which, if you um, watch her fighting style, it's the same stances like uh, young Obi-Wan had. Uh, she could be uh, Han and Leia's child, because the conversation between Han and Maz... When Mavs is like, who's the girl? It just cuts. You know, you don't get any explanation. Uh, especially when they arrive on that planet. And Ray's like, I've never seen this much green 
or what was the line? I never thought there would I, be much green on uh, in the universe or something. Something to that effect. I, I believe it was like uh, I didn't know there was this much green in the whole of the entire galaxy. Yeah, watch Han's face. It's like um, uh, guilt. It was a guilty face, pretty much. When uh, after she says that, or she can be a Skywalker. Uh, she could be Luke's child. Um, I'm either hoping that she's a Solo or Luke's child, but I'd, I'd take Kenobi's granddaughter. Uh, Indeed. Uh, we will be posting uh, some links to these uh, uh, things that we're talking about, some articles that we've used here uh, in the end, so check the comments uh, once the uh, podcast, uh, once this cast is over uh, for additional details. Uh, Dyer, anything on that? Um, I mean, I don't have a real theory of where she came from. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, her parents or one of her parents is uh, of significant importance, more than likely. Um, but who that is, I have no idea. Um, I feel like that's something else we probably will find out in Episode 8. Uh, uh, but right now, it's a mystery, and uh, I don't know. Hopefully it's a good backstory. I hope so as well. Uh, anything else to add, gentlemen? Um, I'm going through the, the bullet points right now, see if we at least miss anything. I don't think we did. I think we touched on, oh, the Disney princess jokes? I think we already touched on that as, uh, yeah. as is. Stop it. It's yeah, ridiculous. Just, yeah, just stop with the Disney princess jokes. We've already explained why... Uh, why the character's emotional. So if you didn't catch that, rewind a little bit, and he, you'll you'll catch us talking about it. I believe it's at so, the 20-minute mark. Roughly the 20-minute mark. Again, this is Grinder with Dyer and True Fox. Uh, we will I will provide links to most of the uh, sites that we had uh, mentioned and touchstoned on in this uh, cast. This is uh, the Nomad Game Gaming Network uh, signing off. Catch you all down the road. See you guys later.